1: Welcome to Mission Matters Live, a program focused on promoting a spirit of mission among the people of God in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Megan Mio, and I'm the director of the Global Mission Office, and our engineers this morning are Mike and Brian. You're listening to WNDZ 750 AM, and this month we will broadcast on the third Thursday of the month from 8.30 to 9 a.m. Today we have with us two lay ministers, uh, excuse me, lay ministers? No, lay missionaries who are father and son from Divine Mercy Parish in Winnetka. We have Senior Deacon Michael McNulty, who has ministered at the parish for many years and coordinated outreach programs with the community. And we have Dr. Michael McNulty, who has a PhD in clinical social work and, among other things, trains therapists and social workers. And actually, just as I said it, we have two lay mission, uh, missionaries. I realized, no, Deacon McNulty is not a lay missionary. <laughs> He's a deacon missionary, um, which we have missionaries in all vocations, just to, to reiterate that. Uh, I've asked these gentlemen to join us this month so that we can learn about the many years of mission and support they have offered working with Jesuit Father Paul Satakunayagam in Sri Lanka, an island off the southern tip of India. This story is a wonderful example of collaboration and sharing of our gifts in mission. So good morning, Deacon McNulty and Dr. McNulty, and thank you for joining us.
0: Good morning, Megan. You're you're very welcome, (laughs) Megan. Thank you.
1: I'm so glad to have you both here. It's exciting to see uh, all three faces. We're, of course, virtual we're talking through uh, a video call this morning, just to be safe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but we're all together. We can all hear each other. That's great. So as I mentioned in my introduction, you're both members of Divine Mercy Parish in Winnetka. And as I understand it, uh, recent history, this parish was founded in 2018 as a new community made up of St. Philip the Apostle in Northfield and Sacred Heart in Winnetka. So um, just as a way of kind of introductions... Can you tell us uh, about each of your history with the parish? And maybe we can start with Deacon McNulty.
2: Sure. Uh, my parents moved into the parish when I was four years old. So <clears throat> I'm, I've am i been uh, a member of the parish for most of the years since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the founding pastor, Father Frederick Harth, and uh, <clears throat> Monsignor Reynolds Lillenbrand, who was his successor, uh, who invited a series of Jesuits from India and Sri Lanka oh. to come and stay at the rectory while they were doing graduate work in uh, at Loyola University. And that's how we came to know uh, Father Paul. He was one of those Jesuits who would come from Sri Lanka to do graduate work at Loyola.
1: Okay. And
2: uh, that's how we got to know him.
1: Yeah. So, so uh, and the, how many years have you been a deacon?
2: I was ordained in 1979. So, 20, 42, years. 42 years.
1: And if my math you. is.
2: Oh. <laughs> if, <laughs> in my, if my math is as good as your pronunciation of Father Paul's last name, I was very impressed.
1: <laughs> I try my best. I try my best. Oh, I, yeah. I, you, I you make my wondering. mistakes, certainly. No, but that sounds right. That sounds about right, um, 42 years. Um, and so you've been a deacon at, um, was it at Sacred Heart Parish and now Divine Mercy? Yes, oh, yes. Yeah, for all that time, huh? Yes. <laughs> okay, you've probably seen those parishes go through uh, many different stages and, and the community developed. The pastors yes, come it, and go.
2: It's, it's, been, uh, it's been quite a ride <laughs> through COVID and all the rest of it.
1: Yeah, most recent years, I'm sure. Yeah, unprecedented, as they say over and over. It's never been like this before. So Dr. McNulty, um, did you grow up in that parish then?
0: I I did too. I was thinking my parents uh, moved into that parish when I was two. So um, dad moved away from Sacred Heart for about six years in total, probably. (laughs) And then when I was two, I moved back. And and I met Father Paul Uh, through my family, but also because he taught me to become an altar server. Uh, And so I I got to know him um, in that way, too, and and remember him well back in those uh, years when he was at Sacred Heart.
1: Yeah, So you were involved at the parish uh, in, in altar serving ministry? Were there other ministries?
0: as well? Um, oh, sure. I, I think I, I got into youth ministry and I went to the parish school. Um, so I was very involved in parish life. And then dad was so involved through the diaconate and my mother as well. So um, I think people for, uh, don't realize how much when one person goes through the diaconate training that their their spouse goes through it too and is very much a part of it. So um, the whole family is pretty involved.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine that for sure. You're probably like I was at the church, you know, at the rectory or in the church building, you know, at all hours because there's always something going on that right. parents were are involved with. Regardless, you got exposure and then, of course, you get involved. Um, and you yeah. mentioned, of course, Father Paul, um, the Jesuit priest from Sri Lanka, who you've come to know. And there were others, too. It's interesting to think right. um, what, the location and Loyola University First, being nearby. I'm sure that was part of it. Um, Because I know um, the work of our office, there are others, other religious congregations that have said that Loyola has opened their doors to them for graduate education and continuing formation. So um, it's a wonderful place for folks internationally to be coming to the Chicago area. Um, And and I've said this before, actually, on our radio shows before, but I also really believe that visiting priests, visiting religious like this, um, you know, we have mission appeals in the summer where a speaker will... You know, give their homily or give a reflection um, on the work that they do overseas uh, or the work of their organization or religious congregation. And that's good. It gives people exposure. It gives them uh, a sense, uh, just a taste of what Global Mission is about. But to have a priest stay for a number yeah. of years, right. be studying here, be ministering at our parishes, um, you get to know him. You get a, a right. deeper relationship, and you get to hear those those stories uh, over and over, and you get to the deeper and the more personal aspects um, of that story. So I'm sure that's the case with Father Paul, because you both have gotten involved since um, since he returned to Sri Lanka. So um, tell us just a little bit about him. How did you, you know, what was your first impressions of him, or how did you get to know him over time?
2: Well, I, I, was, I was so impressed with him, because he was really a full-time associate pastor at Uh, Mm -hmm. Sacred Heart Parish while he was a full-time student at Loyola University. Uh, So he took on uh, visiting the sick. Uh, He was a chaplain at Regina Dominican High School. Uh, He was uh, teaching the young people how to serve Mass. Uh, He said Mass. He preached. Uh, He was involved in the sacramental life of the parish. He just was the man was amazing. He had all his devotion to being pastoral as well as being a student and taking graduate level courses at Loyola.
0: And and one thing that we must mention, too, is that he he took the altar servers to go see the Harlem Globetrotters, which I I mean, even found time for that. He was just always everywhere, you know, everywhere where there were um, parishioners, when there if there was a parish picnic, if there was a parish event, he was always there. He was always tending to people who might have lost a parent or um, or were in a difficult place. And um, it was just absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think he had, I would say he had the heart of the missionary. He would just go wherever, you know, God called him. Uh, Do you have any idea what he was studying at Loyola at the time? Just ongoing ministry, or was it a particular area? Uh,
0: Yeah, he he got a a master's degree in counseling psychology and another master's degree in education.
1: Of course. Wow. Yeah. And that foreshadows what we'll be talking about a little bit later. But then I would also ask, you know, what did you learn from Father Paul about Sri Lanka? Um, did he share uh, his own personal experiences uh, of growing up there and then what he had planned on doing uh, when he returned?
2: You know, I, I grew up in a time when uh, geography lessons referred to it as salon, uh, and I, I thought it was famous for tea but before, before I got to know Father Paul, I didn't even know Sri Lanka as a country existed. Mm. That was right. That's where, that's where I was coming from. Sure. Yeah.
0: Right. And I think we we are well aware that it was a developing nation and that there was, um, you know, a, um, a civil war brewing at the time. There was, um, civil conflict that he would refer to. and, And so that, um, there's was a certain amount of their safety issues about going back there, but there was huge need that he really felt obligated to attend to, um, which ultimately led him to go back.
1: Yeah. 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 That's the other thing, you know, that coming to Chicago or coming to the U.S. for education. This is about really getting those tools that then the the minist- missionary, the minister uh, can bring back Um it's just invaluable. It's a gift that keeps on giving an education like that. And then also the network uh, that he builds up. Because then when he does return to Sri Lanka, you all stayed in touch. Um, I understand there were certain families that had gotten to know him better and that you all just kind of kept talking. Uh, and he did share about an ultimately a civil war that did take place um, in Sri Lanka that ended. It, it was, it, I did my research myself because I didn't know that much about Sri Lanka. It was a very lengthy yes. civil war. Um, that, that, you know, according to anyway to a particular source, um, that started in 1983 and continued all the way until 2009. So this um, <clears> this <throat> civil war was one of the major causes of conflict. Um, but uh, as you mentioned, there were communities that that at such great need. Um, so, what are some of the ministries then that he he told you all about once he returned that he started to offer? Whoever can say
0: well. Oh sure, sure. Well, you know, um, basically, what I should say is that um, my mother he he, had, he connected so well with so many of the people in our parish. You know, they really felt his um, pastoral presence and his sense of care and concern for all of us, which was amazing. Because you know, when we looked at the circumstances in his country. Um, You know, basically, we were so much better off, but he had the same level of concern for us um, as he had wherever he went, including his own country. And 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 so there he had quite a following. And my mother and um, another parishioner, Doris Conley, uh, first started off by having mission masses every year where they would um, collect uh, you know, collect money for him and raise money for all of his causes. And he had lots of causes. Even back then, he was uh, beginning to try to provide um, housing for children, for orphan children who did not have it. Mm-hmm. He was, um, uh, he had set up a, um, a place for uh, young men who were contemplating whether or not to become Jesuits. Uh, you know, these were the beginnings, and he's working with a lot with youth at that point in time after he first returned, mm-hmm. and and so um, the the women at Sacred Heart uh, worked very hard to regularly collect money for him to make sure that he had money to support his work.
1: Yeah, 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 and he had a lot of different things going on, um, which
2: yeah, the Butterfly Peace Garden too was kind of internationally well known, I think, and uh, it was a, a ministry to help uh, child soldiers return to normalcy after they were uh, no longer serving as soldiers. And and the the, the trauma that they suffered while they were uh, forced into being uh, child soldiers was was very difficult. And so to work with them and, and bring them back to normalcy was a great part of his ministry as well.
0: Yeah. So, so what you would see was he, he, or what we saw was over the years, he just built up this whole network of different kinds of social services and mental health services that were the first of their kind in his country, um, you know, drawing upon his education from Loyola and, um, and included um, what I just described, what um, my father just described, and, and then many other services as well by the time that I, I first met him there.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? It's time for our break, but we're going to talk about that in particular, <laughs> about your uh, ability to visit um, and actually assist with with some of those projects. Um, but thanks so much. It's time for our break now. We'll be back uh, to continue talking about barefoot counselors in Sri Lanka. Stay tuned.
3: Catholic Charities, we fight hunger in Chicago throughout the year. Our six regional offices in Cook and Lake Counties work together to offer sit-down and to-go meals to anyone in need. We deliver meals to those who are homebound, and our eight food pantries offer three to four days of food supplies based on household size. Participants in these programs have the opportunity to learn about other Catholic charity services that strengthen individuals, families, and their communities. The challenges for those dealing with food insecurity are especially great during the winter months. To learn how you can help those who are hungry in your neighborhood, visit catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7525. That's 312-655-7525. Thank you for your generosity.
0: I feel special. (laughs) I feel great. I got good grades.
4: We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today.
1: Welcome back to Mission Matters Live. I am Megan Mio, Director of the Global Mission Office, and I have here with me Deacon Michael McNulty and Dr. Michael McNulty, missionaries, father and son, from Divine Mercy Parish in Winnetka. And before the break, we were talking about Father Paul, a Jesuit priest who for some some time ministered um, at the parish while he was studying at Loyola University, and uh, he's from Sri Lanka off the southern tip of India, and so when he returned there, your parish, uh, your community members uh, wanted to continue to support his peace-building ministries, and it sounded like it was a wide variety of ministries, um, but uh, many of them dealing with um, healing and reconciliation post, uh, you know, disasters and uh, civil war in that particular country. So and just before uh, our break, uh, Dr. McNulty mentioned that you were able to actually visit uh, Sri Lanka and work with Father Paul. And um, right. so I understand there's a particular ministry called Barefoot Counselors uh, that you are right. hoping to uh, form. So please tell us about that.
0: Sure, sure. Well, I, what I should say is that I began to work with him after the tsunami. And and so he went back in um, like 1980, or actually, I think closer to 1976 or 1977. and, And then we had seen um, the coverage of the tsunami in the newspaper, um, and he he seemed so distressed. He said basically that the the sea had turned into a serpent that had taken their children away, you know, that had taken away uh, these, cho- um, these children in their community. They lost about 4,000 people in their city from the tsunami. And um, so I, I went to visit, I, I, that quote sounded so, um, you know, so sad mm-hmm. and, and, and so distressful, I thought I should go. He had invited me to go before and I was still finishing my dissertation, so I couldn't quite get there. Mm-hmm. But then I, then I went and, um, and began to work with him, you know, at that point in time. And by then he had developed a, an extensive network of different kinds of social services to support folks um and mental health services because, uh, um, you know, the civil war had been going on for quite some time then. So um, I, I went to respond immediately after the tsunami um, and began to work with him and particularly with his counselors, which he called the barefoot counselors, which they call the barefoot counselors, because in Sri Lanka, when you enter a person's home, Um, And all these counselors do home visits, you take off your shoes. And so that's why they call them the Barefoot Counselors. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I began to work with training that group and helping them get more formal um, trauma counseling training.
1: Wow. Now, and I understand you said that they made home visits. Um, there was a little bit of skepticism in the community about counseling and therapy and things of that nature. Right. Right.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I think that that's exactly right, Megan, that that the um, at at that point in time, when when I first went down to work with them and we began to train counselors, they tried to bring out as many people as they thought could be potentially good counselors. They, they put the word out, and I think we trained about 60 people. This was on my second visit for about two full weeks, like 10 hours a day. Their work ethic is really huge there. And um, and they're trying to figure out who would be the best counselors and, and, and whatnot. But at that point in time, the, the terms, psychological terms really weren't in the language and the language lacked a lot of the, the terms for different feelings that we have in our language. Wow. So that's how foreign this counseling concept was um, to the folks in Sri Lanka at that point.
1: Wow. You know, it also makes me think about, you know, we in the Global Mission Office, You know, we we talk about mission, we talk about mission work, missionaries, you know, what does that work look like? Well, oftentimes it has to do with building the church, you know, offering sacraments, offering ministries. Um, And it also has to do with basic needs, you know, making sure people are fed, they have clean water. Um, And I would imagine that most people think of those kinds of things and they don't necessarily think about counseling and uh, the kind of building hope. Building right. reconciliation post war yeah. and um, tra- you know tragedies, uh, grief counseling things like that. Um, but it, it's I would imagine that Father Paul saw it as essential to right. rebuilding um, in, in those particular times and continuing to be I'm sure today. Um, and you know it, the people couldn't move on to the next thing if they couldn't see hope, see possibilities right. for the future. Um, and really, that's our faith teaches us as well that there is hope that even in the midst of tragedy, um, that we can go on because God is with us. So um, I'm sure Father Paul could tell that. Um, yes. and, and I think yeah. that your parish community uh, here in Winneka, too then could see that. Um, so Deacon uh, McNulty, could you tell us a little bit about how um, this continued support? Um, through Dr. McNulty's visits, um, but in other ways, how that continued to develop over time then. Because we're talking about this was, your first visit was in like the early 80s then, you think, Dr. McNulty?
0: Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I went right after the tsunami in 2005. So the tsunami happened on December 26, um, uh, 2004. I started going in 2005, and then I went about 22 times over the years before the um before the COVID started, I hope to go back in the future.
1: Wow. Okay, so mm-hmm. so the barefoot counselors is a re- not, it's been a while, but it's a relatively more recent um, development. But um, but his original right. visit was was back in the you said like the late 70s. So um, so how has this support uh, developed over the years?
2: Well, you know it's interesting. The parish, like most parishes in the Chicago Archdiocese, hit sharing parish arrangements. Mm -hmm. And we did as well. And in the envelope packet that went out every month to all of the parishioners, there was a special envelope that they could use once a month for contribution to our sharing parish. And over the years, we developed other outreaches as well as our sharing parish, and we would add them to that outreach envelope. Mm -hmm. And so, What began with uh, informal fundraising was actually my wife's, my late wife's work. Mm -hmm. Uh, She started the mission mass years Mm -hmm. ago, right after father Paul left to go back to Sri Lanka Mm -hmm. and people would contribute whatever they could afford to the mission mass and we could send them a few dollars, you know, Mm -hmm. and then after the tsunami occurred, uh, then we formalized the arrangement by having uh, Father Paul added to the outreach envelope. and now there's a, uh, there's a ministry to Haiti and also to uh, two uh, sharing parishes, the one that uh, Sacred Heart had supported and the one that Saint. Philip the Apostle had supported. So, There are four choices on on the outreach envelope that people can contribute towards, and and that's how we keep the thing going, you know.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I do think that outreach, when you think about parish ministries of outreach, you want to have the local and the global. Um, You do want to be able to to physically visit and, and meet people. Uh, in the local setting um, that you're able to offer support to. But uh, the global piece, too, is really important to remind ourselves of of our uh, our larger family of faith um, around the world, too. Right. So I'm glad to hear that, right. that the outreach it takes those many different forms. Well, just with the last minute or two that we have, I want to ask, now that we've kind of reviewed, gone over um, this story about um, your relationship with Father Paul and, and that those ministries in Sri Lanka— what would both of you say is the biggest blessing that you've received from having been involved with this mission work? Uh, Dr. McNulty, would you start?
0: Oh sure. I, you know, I mean, I think the the privilege of going all the way around the world and connecting with the community um, you know, 22 times, and and helping all the counselors there learn about counseling and then and other people who weren't counselors before become counselors and and seeing all the different work that went into housing literally hundreds of children or hundreds of um uh ex child soldiers and and all that kind of work and seeing one man father Paul do this has always been so inspirational to me, you know, that um, if our hearts and our spirits are in the right place, there is so much that we can do um, and and to connect out to others and to um, do good good in this world. And I just feel so privileged to have been a part of that.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it made me think of, you know, when you said that he was at the parish and doing everything, you know, studying while he was also ministering. He just was a person who had the heart of a missionary, you know, really wanted yeah, to, to put all his gifts at right. the service of the mission. Um, yeah. yeah, an inspiration. And Deacon McNulty, what would you say is your biggest blessing?
2: You know, to a great extent, uh, my exposure to Father Paul was, had a great deal to do with leading me into diaconal ministry. Oh, yeah. uh, and and I think uh, if I had known him and seen his great love for reaching out to people in need, uh, I don't know if I would have entered into diaconal ministry. Wow. Uh, he had a great deal uh, to do with that influence in my life.
1: Wow. Wow. And you know what? And you remind me that the part of the diaconate vocation is outreach, is, is connecting with yeah. the community and connecting the ministries of the parish to them. So that's amazing. Wow. I'm glad, very glad to hear that. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Deacon McNulty and Dr. McNulty. Your stories of friendship and mercy are an inspiration. Thank you to all the people from Divine Mercy Parish for their many years of support for the people of Sri Lanka and those in our local communities and Haiti and other parts of the world. May healing and peacemaking um, be known as key examples of mission in our world. So don't forget to tune in next month for more Mission Matters Live. Thank you for listening, and remember, always be on mission.